0: All right, let's uh, start with a poem. It's in your bulletin here. You do not have to be good. Who starts a poem that way, anyway? You do not have to be good. You do not have to walk on your knees for a hundred miles through the desert repenting. You only have to let the soft animal of your body love what it loves. like the sound of driftwood makes, for example. Tell me about despair, yours, and I will tell you mine. Meanwhile, the world goes on. Meanwhile, the sun and the clear pebbles of the rain are moving across the landscapes, over the prairies and the deep, trees, the mountains and the rivers. Meanwhile, the wild geese, high in the clean blue air, are heading home again. Whoever you are, no matter how lonely, the world offers itself to your imagination. Calls to you like... The wild geese, harsh and exciting. Over and over, announcing your place in the family of things. I want to begin with this poem uh, because it's a poem about belonging, really. And I think when I... when I say belonging, I mean belonging in the deepest sense, in, in the family of things. And sometimes I imagine that the biggest problems or problem we face as a species or as a planet is a, a belonging problem. Where do we belong? To whom do we belong? What is the nature of our belonging? And, um, and also... It's just part of the human condition, I think, this feeling of alienation. Maybe it's not a constant, but it is a, just part of the human experience, this feeling of alienation, of separation. In other words, the absence of belonging. And I don't know, it's like, um, it's kind of like a longing and a calling sort of at the same time. I think it's part of the deal, and actually it's part of the quality of of despair, which he speaks about in this poem. What a poem. How can you start off by saying, you do not have to be good, and then right away turn to despair? (laughs) I don't know, because they kind of hold hands. And, um, And I think, to be more clear, I think part of the quality of our despair is in the felt experience of not belonging, or belonging and then not belonging. You know, it's kind of both. And most importantly, I think what Mary Oliver is saying in this poem is that we have forgotten our place in the family of things. We've carved out a place for ourselves, like as individuals, I suppose. We've carved out a place uh, for ourselves as like a civilization. We've carved a place out of the forest. And forgotten that the forest will one day swallow us whole like the Mayan temples. But we've forgotten our place in the family of things. And and she's saying the world offers itself constantly and calls to you about your place of belonging. What a strange notion. Is that true? Is the sound of driftwood tapping or the call of the wild geese or the moonlight on the lake calling to you, announcing something. I thought I get to say what the meaning of the world is or what the world is. But it turns out she's reversing the thing and saying that um, if you have an imagination, the world calls to us instead. So she's saying, meanwhile, the world and the trees and the rain and the geese are basically busy being themselves. How many of you have a dog? Okay. What is the dog doing? What's the dog's full-time job? I'll tell you what the dog's full-time job is in being, the, being a dog. It's just itself. And the whole world is like that. All beings are like that. All trees are like that. They're wildly and unalterably and unutterly themselves. And so to be in the presence of any being like that, even your dog, for God's sake, which has been manipulated by human beings for 50,000 years. Did you know that? Well, I guess I've never seen like a toy poodle in the wild, but you get the point. Even the dog is unutterably itself. And by being itself, it's also making an announcement. It's announcing something. It's announcing our place in the family of things, harsh and exciting. It's calling to us again and again if we have ears to hear. And I think this poem is reminding us, in case that you know, is kind of like a sentimental thought, that it also brings up our despair, <laughs> which is why right in the middle of it she says, tell me about your despair and I'll tell you about mine because it's a poem about the beauty and terror of being, or the reality of being human, um, which is also contains the reality of our despair, and also inside that despair is our love. I mean, we wouldn't feel despair if we didn't also love. There'd be nothing to despair about. So it's like that feeling of however you might describe, the quality of despair reminds us that we are capable of loving and have felt love and do love. So I don't know. She's sort of announcing a kind of poetic uh, cure for our despair. A poetic cure. Which is better than an actual cure, I guess. It's a poetic cure. And so it's... It has layers, it's, and it's nuanced. So we ought to be speaking a bit about our despair. And my way of putting that is uh, to try to tell the truth as best we can. That's what I'm trying to do right now. <laughs> sometimes I do a good job up here. I don't mean in, like, I don't know, giving a good talk. I mean in trying to tell the truth as best I can. And, um, sometimes I do a, a, good, a good enough job listening to other people trying to tell the truth as best they can. I think that's what she means. Tell me about your despair and I'll tell you mine. But in case we get too, like, caught up in ourselves, she says, meanwhile, the world goes on. Meanwhile, the geese are flying home. Meanwhile, the sun is moving across the waters and the world goes on, she says. The world goes on. Being the world, being unalterably and unutterly itself. So I think she's giving away a sort of secret. Isn't there a book like The Secret? I bet that's not what she's talking about here. Um, I think she's giving away a kind of secret that every day and every moment we can uh, experience belonging and taste it again and be reminded. This is, by the way, a very radical message. That you belong in the family of things, that you belong as, as much as your toy poodle or the wild geese. You belong. You belong that, the, and, and you are a part of this place. It flies in the faith face of like doomsday or mentality in general. And there's a version of on the left and a version on the right. The version on the left is human beings are a cancer on the earth. Do you feel the difference between that and? the world announcing you belong in the family of things. And there's a version on the right which is something like the or version on the right is something like uh, um, our true home is somewhere else. If we could only get out of here to the, you know, somewhere over the rainbow in the heavenly realms or something. And she's saying, no, the geese, every time you see them are saying you belong here in, at and this time in this age, with all of its problems and all of its despair and all of its heartache and all of its grief and and all of its waters and all of its trash, you belong here in the family of things. And, um, and maybe one more thing about this poem: you do not have to be good. <laughs> and all the priests that have ever lived rolled over in their graves you know. You do not have to be good. What a line. What a line that is. I think she's saying just be yourself. It's not a abdication. Is that the right word? Abdication of responsibility, a shirking of responsibility. It doesn't mean we don't have to wrestle with questions of goodness or what is good, but she's saying you don't have to be good. (laughs) You just have to be yourself and let let the world announce to you that you belong. It's in a, in a way that ca- sounds kind of passive, but I think it's more like a surrender than passivity. And when I think when we learn to surrender, it's like we come home. It's like relaxing. It's like you re- relax back into your the place, into a kind of home. And it's easier to love, I think, when we feel like we belong. And like I said. If I'm right, which I don't know if I am or not, that one of the biggest problems we face as human beings is this feeling of alienation and of not belonging, no wonder we can't um, right the wrongs that we have caused as human beings to one another and to the earth because love is not possible without belonging. You don't love, you can't, it's like, you don't have a relationship then. So, of course, love is distant. So anyway, she gives away the second secret here, um, which is to find out what the soft animal of your body loves. What else would that be? What does the soft animal of your body love? Um, like a bluebird on a branch. Yep. Or a thunderstorm. Only you can prevent forest fires, except there's also thunderstorms. <laughs> or a phone call that you, to someone that you care about, or you, that you receive. You receive a phone call from someone you care about. So, um, What does the soft animal of your body love? In its relatedness. To all things. So I want to say that the earth body, the earth's body, and our body, which is also the earth's body, is a chorus of belonging, kind of choir of belonging, no matter how bad it gets. That's what she's saying, I think. You, you're, you're in a symphony, a chorus, and your body is the same as the earth's body. It's a manifestation of the earth's body. I know that it's like Earth Day, and, um, and, uh, and we should, be, I think, be doing simple acts to restore the damage that we've caused to Earth's body, which is our own body. And we live in an age that calls for attention and stewardship. But beneath that, I, I'm arguing for a kind of simple love for the Earth, which is different than like... Um, managing, or even caretaking, but a kind of simple love, which is also experienced and felt in our own bodies. And Earth Day ought to be a day of listening. To what? To the wild geese. <laughs> to whatever. It's, it should be a kind of listening instead of a kind of shouting. For I think life's meaning is found in a kind of great conversation, and like the conversation that you have between friends and between beings and between stories and worldviews and between birth and death and between a child and an old person and between lovers and between enemies and between all that we're related to. That's, um, that's where I think meaning is found in the great conversation. To whom are we related? Like I've been saying for the last two times that I've spoke, we are who we are in relationship to everything else. We are who we are in relationship to everything else. And to live a meaningful life is to deepen that conversation, something like that. So I want to say something about my relationship with all of you here with C3 and about my future here. And I had a dream last night, and in the dream, <laughs> um, in the dream the I had this feeling that I should read a poem And I did read a poem in the dream, and it was kind of partially the poem I just read, and then the dream said, and you should get to the point. (laughs) That should be my motto for life. Read a poem and then get to the point. So I'm going to try to get to the point. Um, I will be in the fall moving to Georgia. With my wife and kids, and my last day here at c three will be i don't know somewhere around November first, so some by time between or between now and then um, I'll be here, but that's where my own story seems to be heading and um, yeah, we've been contemplating this. Move for a long time, really. Um, we always thought we would end up in Georgia. Uh, my wife's from Georgia. Uh, her entire family lives in the same small town. Her Her grandmas are still alive in their 90s, her brothers and <coughs> cousins and all lo- live in the same uh, small place. Uh, about 15 years ago, I did something that Dave Ramsey would get mad at, and I bought some land on a balloon loan, <laughs> which I managed to pay off. That sort of backs up to some family land. Um, and so we always thought we'll end up here sort of at some point tending this place. And, um, but we didn't know when. We never really saw a window. It just sort of hung out there as a possibility. And then all of a sudden, um, the time felt right or felt right enough. My oldest daughter graduates from culinary school next week, and my son graduates from high school the week after that, and my youngest daughter is going into the eighth grade, and all of a sudden it seemed like, oh, now now seems like the right time. So we've been thinking about it for a long time, but it sort of also caught us by surprise, I'd say. Um, Now, who knows about this? The board? my mom, and now everyone in this room. <laughs> so not very many people. Um, oh, I guess it's on Facebook or whatever. So that's ruined. So now you don't feel so special, I guess. In other words, it's fresh. It's fresh for me and, um, and just sort of talking to the board, which is why I told the board as soon as I really knew that this was coming, just so that we'd have some time here. And... Um, I'm not leaving for another job, <laughs> and uh, in fact, I'm going to try to make a living doing all my side projects, <laughs> like my podcast, and retreats, and my animus work, and my pilgrimages to Israel, and meeting with people, and so forth, so we'll see how that goes, and I'm, I'm nervous and excited, um, but I'm also sad, you know, I'm sad to leave, I'm sad to leave this place, and I will definitely miss seeing all your faces each week. Um, this has been, like, uh, more than a job for me. And um, C3 has been a gift. Like, um, like the best gifts, it feels like I didn't choose it, and, um, and I couldn't have dreamed it up. Like, I didn't know this place existed until about, I don't know, five years ago, <laughs> or five and a half years ago. Uh, When I left, like, the evangelical church, I thought my days teaching and giving sermons or even talking about spiritual stuff would be over, and I just didn't know that there was a spiritual community in town that welcomed doubts and questions and were willing to explore kind of the edges of things, the edges of faith and religion and science and psychology and and wrestled with values and things like that. but that's just how C3 appears on paper. And, you know, as a place committed to values. But one doesn't really fall in love with a piece of paper, you know, um, but instead with real people. And, and that's what it's been like for me. And so, I don't know, I, I just feel grateful. Um, when I first started working here, maybe some of you remember. I had this like standing lunch at the old office, back in the old, back in the old office Um, where you could just come like once a week and show up and bring your lunch. And that's where I met many of you and, and heard many stories for the first time. And, and it was interesting to me that Everyone here, or everyone that I bumped into, found their way into C3 in kind of like wildly different ways. It's like, oh, it really is, this place is really a unique and diverse place. And what brought you here and what's kept you here is unique and individual. And I think that's part of what makes it so cool. And I heard beautiful stories. And that was only the beginning. It's been really my privilege to be a part of this place and to work along so many dedicated volunteers and who taught me so much about service and commitment. Like, I even felt guilty yesterday when I saw the cleanup crew. I saw the, the Facebook post about the cleanup crew, you know. I don't know, guilty in the good sense, like, oh, yes, what, what a place to be a part of that would, I don't know, take service and... Um Commitment and making the world a little bit better so seriously and um, yeah so i i don't know i'm I'm saying that I, I feel privileged to be a part of this place in fact c three isn't about me obviously, <laughs> and um it's not about my role or my teachings i've tried to offer them in the way I can, and it's something that we hold together and we have held together and and i don't know of other religious or formerly religious organizations who have been around for 150 years, who have gone through um, change and evolution and adaptation. I don't know of another place that's still going. <laughs> um, and so, at least in my mind, that's helpful. And I'm, I'm not really worried about Siti's future, to tell you the truth. And I'll be stepping away, but my absence will create a, a certain kind of opportunity for another chapter and another part of the story. And I'm just grateful that, I don't know, I could be part of it, a little five and a half year part of it. And some of you, as we're going to learn next week and be reminded of, have been around here for a long time. And um, yeah, so practically, I, I should say a couple practical things. I did let the board know last week, as I mentioned, and there's already a transition plan in place and um, we're beginning to ask the right kinds of questions. And I don't know, because I'm not leaving right away, I can help in whatever ways um, I'm asked with the transition period. And in the coming months, I'll be here and um, teaching and helping and as I've been doing up to this point. Um, and I, But I will say that C3, I think, is in a potent place right now. Like, change is in the water somehow. And the challenges, I think, that we're facing just with the meeting place here and sharing space um, and now, like, a search for uh, new leadership means, I think, that there's a great opportunity to think creatively about what's next. And, um, and all change is hard. I mean, I, I have to be honest. Like I said, I'm nervous and excited to move, and I am. But it, it's going to be hard. It's going to be hard to pack up my house. I hate packing anyway. I can I don't even like putting my own laundry away. Um, and it'll be hard to leave the, the little land that I've been living on for a while, um, and leave my friends and leave this place. It, it's going to be. It's going to be hard, and um, and it'll be hard. I think to wrestle, but hard in a good way with a vision for what's next for this place. Like, all right, what's next? Um, But change is also good and inevitable. It's like, anyway, if you don't change, you die. So, you know, meanwhile, the world goes on. (laughs) And I don't know we're in that kind of spot, it seems to me. So what's next for C3? I'll tell you exactly what's next for C3. It's what will be next. (laughs) That's what will be next, and it will be done in the fires of creativity and imagination and love and passion and values, and, and, and we shall see. But I do trust that what's next will be the right sort of thing. And let me see if there's anything else I want to say. Not much. Read a poem and get to the point. Um, thanks for listening to my musings and my teachings, and my passions, and my questions, and for allowing me to lose the plot occasionally publicly in my talks and wander back. and It's been an honor to serve you, and um, that's all I want to say right this minute. Thank you.